Welcome to the Seven Figure Summit Podcast. I'm Scott Bywater, the founder and CEO of Copywriting That Sells. We help entrepreneurs leverage their email list, websites, funnels, and ads to get high-quality leads via strategic copy written in your brand's voice. Just go to copywritingthatsells.com.au to see some of our success stories. Also, don't forget, the Seven Figure Summit is always looking for guests. Simply visit podcast.copywritingthatsells.com.au to apply. Welcome everyone to the Seven Figure Summit. Today I'm here. We've got a very special guest uh, by the names of name of James Bond, and James James is one of America's leading marketing and behavioral management specialists. He was actually used by Warren Buffett's team, and he's the author of a book called Brain Glue. Uh, so today, what he's going to be doing is he's going to be sharing his journey from how he actually climbed that seven figure summit. Uh, with us, and we'll be yeah, hopefully diving into some really interesting marketing things and and uh, you know concepts around around brain glue as as well. So, so James, in terms of if you can sort of reflect back on when you were like like we're talking about climbing the climbing a summit here, right? So when you're at the bottom of the summit, just starting your career or starting your business, what was what was that like and what was the conversation going on in your mind? Well, first, Scott, thank you for having me. I mean, I, I really enjoy being here. I love your uh, yeah, I love your podcast and the concept that you focus on. You're an awesome copywriter. But so it's interesting for me because I remember, um, so I was selling a pet supplement. I was working as a consultant and selling a pet supplement. Let me tell you the end and then I'll come back to the beginning, okay? Yeah. So, I remember uh, when I finally started making money with it because we changed something we did. I suddenly realized, wow, you know, American Express just charged our credit card a thousand dollars. So I called my wife and I said, "Hey, Pam, American Express just charged our credit card a thousand dollars." She said, "Well, shut it down." I said, "No, wait a second. We just made eight thousand, nine thousand, thousand. I'll call you right back." When I called her back, I told her how much money we were making, like thousands of dollars from the one thousand dollars. Of course, she said, "Well, spend more." Okay. My wife, she's awesome. But um, and we ended up making. I remember, I was working as a consultant, and I started selling a product online. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, you take all these online courses. Oh, it's easy to sell products online. Well, <laughs> it's not as easy as most people think. Okay, get to start doing it because it isn't just about, uh, it isn't just about uh, uh, views. It's about income. Okay, and and conversion. So I remember, um. Uh, I actually, I remember, let me take you through the end of this and come back to the beginning from this. Okay. I remember um, making, you know, high six figures over seven figures. We crossed over seven figures and I started feeling like, did I break the law? Have I done something really bad? Because I was so used to as a consultant making, you know, $150,000, $200,000. And here I was making $800,000, $900,000, a million dollars, $1.4 million, $1.5 million. And it was like, I was making more money with this online thing. It was kind of a hobby that I was making as a consultant, which was my career. You know, I started thinking like, you know, have I broken the law? I mean, I didn't, you know, today I'm humble. Yeah, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> and, you know, once I, I went from this number to that number, everything exploded. And so what happened was I started uh, selling this pet supplement. I've done actually made a lot of money doing all these other things. And I teach people this with brain glue because this is really, it's, it's mind blowing. But, um, I had the wrong message because I had the wrong message. People weren't buying, you know, I was trying to do a generic message to everybody who could potentially buy this pet supplement, which is an amazing product. And it's wrong. You have to have a a unique message for each one of the the markets you're going after. If you don't have a unique message for every market you're going after, then you're, you're going to, you're watering down your message. And I didn't realize that. And so um, I, I remember I, I had an advertising agency in Montreal. I'm originally from Montreal, although I live in Southern California now. We named our middle our middle daughter. We gave her the initials L.A. So we'd remember people say, how long have you been in Montreal? Well, how old is Lauren? Oh, she's 37. OK, we've been here 37 years. You know, easier. <laughs> I, I like things sticking to the brain. And that's Lauren's age sticks to my brain. Um, yeah. But I I had an opportunity to win the anti-drug. I worked hard in Montreal and work my way up and won major clients like Kraft Foods, Timex Watches, Abbott, uh, Abbott Laboratories, Seagram's, their world headquarters is in Montreal. 
And uh, uh, I had the opportunity to win the anti-drug campaign in America with powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. As most of us in business are logical. And so I wanted a logical approach. I didn't know logic is, it's, it's inferior to emotion. People buy for emotional reasons. And so we put together a, a, a campaign for the anti-drug campaign in America with powerful, logical reasons why you should not do drugs. And then we lost and we saw what we lost to. And I was terrified. And it was a guy holding an egg saying, this is your brain. And cracking the shell and dropping the egg into a sizzling frying pan with exaggerated sizzling sound. And then pointing down and say, this is saying, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? When I saw the ad, I knew this was profoundly more powerful than the ad we came up with, which was logic. This was emotion. But also it's terrified me because how do you create stuff like this? I, how did they ever come up with this idea of creating this metaphor? It's a metaphor, obviously, because that's not your brain. That's an egg sizzling. But, you know, it's a metaphor. And so I didn't understand even that it was a metaphor. I just to me, it was like, how did they brainstorm and come up with this fantastic idea? Um, and so I, I decided I didn't they don't teach in school how to do emotional selling. So what I did was I said, I need the scientists in me came out and said, I need to figure out how to do emotional selling because there's this is something that's amazing. And yet and it's profound. And yet I don't understand how to do it. I thought, you know, in school, they teach us logic. Hey, you know, answer a question with logic. Right. <laughs> that's how we do it. Right. And it's not the best way, especially if you're in advertising, marketing, copywriting. You know, you want to find ways to trigger the brain. And I, let me give you some examples. So next to my computer, I put a box and I call it the passion box. And every time I saw an ad or heard something that was profoundly uh, emotional, not logical, but emotional, rather than trying to overanalyze it, I put it in the box in the hopes that eventually... I'd learn how I have enough examples that I can figure out how to do emotional selling. Well, 10 years later, a little over 10 years later, when we moved to Southern California, I met John Gray. And John Gray wrote a book, an incredible book, one of the best books ever on relationships called Men, Women, and Relationships. And he was, he was telling me how he was frustrated. People would buy the, a few people would buy the book. He couldn't get a lot of people to buy the book. But people who bought the book and read it loved it they said wow this is the most incredible relationship book ever but like nobody was buying the book so he got this crazy idea he was actually in a uh, in a seminar trying to promote the book and uh he said something and all the women started laughing like crazy and all the men looked at the women like what's so funny <laughs> you know and so he said, see, some things women understand and or laugh at and some things men laugh at and some things everybody laughs at. And one of the women in the audience screamed out, it's almost like men for, from a different planet. What planet are men from? And he laughed and he said, I guess, I don't know, men are from Mars. And everybody laughed. When he got home, he said, well, if men are from Mars, where are women from? Women are from Venus, the god of love. And he thought, hmm, nobody's buying my book anyway. What would happen if I changed the title? And then, you know, just tweak the content slightly. So I put men are from Mars, women are from Venus references throughout the book. What do you think happened? Almost overnight, he sold half a million copies, then a million, then two million. In my book, I have a mistake. Here's the mistake. I said from all the research I did, and I knew him, that he sold more than 10 million copies of the book. I know Steve Harrison, who helped him with marketing. And Steve Harrison said, eh, wrong. We were, we're already over 50 million books sold. So think about this. He went from 20,000 to 50 million, not 50,000, 50 million books sold just because he changed the title. I thought wow. my brain was going to explode. It's like, wow. And of course, I love writing on three by five cards. So I wrote your brain, uh, um, men are from Mars on a, on a three by five card. And I was going to put it in the box, my passion box. And then I went, wait a second. This is um, a metaphor. Men aren't really from a different planet. I mean, I think a lot of women think we're from a different planet. Just by the way, Scott, you know, I mean, they look at us and go, they're definitely foreigners, you know, from aliens, but we're not. But anyway, but it's a metaphor. And I realize this is your brain on drugs is a metaphor also. I didn't realize it back then, but I, I did it once, you know, once I started understanding this. And I went, you know, I mean, because it isn't, they must have been sitting around a table and going, so what happens when your brain 
you know, when you take drugs, if you overdo it with drugs, you get a fried brain. Your brain gets fried. Okay, interesting. Fried, fried, fried. What else gets fried? Eggs. Why don't we get an egg and show it frying and have the sound of frying and we'll say, there's your brain. Aha. You know, and it's, it's suddenly at my, I went like, whoa, did I just figure out how emotional selling works or at least part of it? And so I got my passion box and I jumped it on my bed and I quickly discovered there are 14 brain triggers at the heart of emotional selling. Metaphors is just one of them. And it just, it blew my mind. I started going like, you know, just by changing the title of a product or a book or a title, you know, or, you know, it, it actually works with, uh, um, with uh, phrases, you know, people have expressions they use uh, that are just incredible. I mean, you love, uh, I, I'm assuming you love him. Okay. Uh, Winston Churchill, right? Winston Churchill had incredible phrases. The pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. It's called chiasmus. It's a flip. It's like all for one and one for all. And I and once I started realizing, like, I remembered, I'm old enough in America to remember um, President John F. Kennedy, although I think I was in Canada at the time. But he said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That's chiasmus. It's a flip. OK, uh, he said mankind must put an end to war or war will put an end to mankind. And I was like, wow. Um, I love uh, Warren Buffett because I work with him, his team, you know, but uh, Warren Buffett has, uh, he, he has great lines. He loves chiasmus. So one of his, or, and, and, and other ones, but metaphors, he loves metaphors. So I love this line. He says, only when the tide goes out, do you discover who's been swimming naked? Okay. What he's basically saying is only when times get tough, do you realize who's competent and who's not competent. But if he said that, we'd go, oh yeah, okay, okay. But only when the tide goes out do you discover who's been swimming naked? And he's using a trigger word, okay? Wow. So here's a question, Mr. Uh, you're, Aussie, you're an Aussie, okay? But I'll give you a British question here. What does um, billionaire Richard Branson, uh, Madonna, and olive oil have in common? Ah, that's an interesting one. I don't know. The but word it's virgin. Ah, olive oil. Madonna's blockbuster song was like a virgin touched by the for the very first time. Oh, I'm not going to sing it. I'm paranoid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Richard Branson was a, a young kid who dropped out of high school. He never even finished high school. He borrowed money from his dad because he didn't have a lot of money. And he started a magazine uh, that was focusing on music, music and musicians. Eventually, he started um, a record company. Uh, he was a, a, an agent first, but then a record company, and he wanted a trigger word, so he tricked. He, he came up with Virgin Records. Now we know him, Virgin Airlines, right? He has all these trademarks he has from Virgin this, Virgin that, and everything else, because he recognized that the word Virgin makes wakes up the brain, because we don't realize when we're talking to somebody, you know, we're talking to somebody, and we think they're listening, but they're only half listening. Their brain is off. Did I forget to close the windows of my car? Is it raining outside? Uh, did I turn off the stove at, at home? Uh, are we going through a divorce? Uh, did my, you know, did we just win a client? How are we going to figure this out? You know, how to work, service them, you know? I mean, all these other things are going on. And so we're talking to someone who's like half awake and we don't realize it. And that's why we need to wake them up. And so I saw they have in America, we have this product called Blue Emu, which is anti-arthritis cream. Okay. Yeah. I had the TV on. While, next to my computer while I'm doing work. And they have this famous baseball player named uh, Johnny Unitas. Um, and uh, he's uh, sending a commercial for Blue Emu. And then he says this, okay? He goes, Blue Emu, it works fast and you won't stink. And i like, what did he just say? From that point forward, I was watching the commercial in detail. It works fast and you won't stink. And he's talking about, hey, you put it on your your elbows and everywhere you have joints and all that stuff. And it really helps on that side. And it works fast and you won't stink. And it's like, whoa, he woke up my mind. And that's what we, in marketing, we want to wake up the mind. And we want to understand the brain. When you understand the brain's triggers, the brain's tools that are wired into the brain, then we can actually apply those tools to wake up the brain and get people more interested in buying our product. And that's, to me, it's understanding those triggers and then applying them 
And I, and I applied it with myself and with clients. And suddenly I have these three guys who were at a construction company who after 10 years had $2 million of sales. That's not bad, right? $2 million in sales? Ha, ha, ha. In one year, I took them from two to 10 million in sales. They reached 32 million two years later just by applying brain glue. I mean, it was that was the first client I ever applied it. So I had the theory, you know, we have a theory. Like you, you know, you work with clients and stuff like that, and you read stuff and you get ideas and you have a theory. Well, I had this theory and went I'm like, whoa, I think I figured out something amazing. And so I had a client, I had clients. So I said, let me try it on this client. And I tried it on these guys in the construction business. And sales exploded. And I realized like this stuff works. I mean, this stuff works. You can be more famous because you can have uh, expressions that are really powerful, uh, like Winston Churchill and John F. Kennedy. And so they have, um, um, or you can uh, start, you know, launch products. Uh, you could just have, uh, you know, copy that you're creating. Uh, it's amazing. So they have um, uh, civil rights activist uh, Malcolm X uh, used, uh, um, uh, chiasmus, as I was talking about the flip, okay? And he was a, a black guy in America who's trying to say, you know, it's pretty hard being a black person in America. So if he said that, people might say, yeah, okay, yeah, we've heard it before. And yeah, I, I can relate. I feel for you and all that stuff. But it's more powerful based on what he said. He built an audience that loved him. And he said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. You know, in America, it's all, Plymouth Rock is how they first landed in America from Britain. And, and that's like, whoa, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock landed on us. He has another one, which a lot of people don't realize he's the one that started this. But he said, when you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Chiasmus, a flip. And so yep. there's simple ways that we can name products or, or say our pitch in such a way that people will go like, oh, wow. Huh, huh. I, you know, wow, that's, hmm, that gets my attention. And yeah, that makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm listening like fascinated because obviously I've been in in yeah in in the game, you know, the marketing game for oh, it's two, two decades in copywriting and and almost three decades in in marketing. But I'm I'm hearing things that are you're that, that old. You look young. You're like you're like. <laughs> <laughs> I started young. I started yeah. young, but. Uh, but yeah, but but I'm hearing things I haven't, uh, yeah, there's certain things that I haven't heard before, and so that that always fascinates me because you know what it's like when you're in an industry for a while, you you you've heard a lot of things. Um, so so it's it's uh, no, it's it's very very interesting. So so in terms of like in terms of because because you were a consultant, right, mm -hmm. and then you started this little this little pet um, pet supplement business. And that exploded and that made more money than you'd ever made before. Was there certain things that you applied from Brain Glue to make that happen? Or did you just yeah. hit on the right market at the right time? Yeah. Like, how did you how did you do that? Well, so this is an interesting, I think it's interesting. People find it really powerful. And it's when you're marketing, we think of our um, avatar. Okay. Who's the, you know, who's the ideal client that we're targeting. Okay. So we can write to them. Yep. To me, there's a more important question. Once you've under uncovered who your avatar is, it's not the who as much as the when, and let me give you an example. And when you understand when they become, so my mom passed away just uh, about a year and a half ago, but before she passed away, she was very independent. She was, you know, her husband had passed away, her third husband, by the way, had passed away. And uh, she was by herself and she was an old elderly person. I helped her from a financial standpoint and all that stuff. So I was an ideal target for um, caregiving companies to target me. Okay. Do you have somebody, an elderly mom or dad, and you want a caregiver and everything else? But I could care less about caregivers. I couldn't care less. About, I couldn't care about caregivers. Because my mom was independent. She drove herself around. She was members of clubs and organizations and stuff. And no, I could care less. Then my mom had a stroke. And suddenly I was, I cared a lot about a caregiver in a short period of time, in a short window. You know, I want to know, does insurance cover it? How much does it cost? Um, is, uh, you know, is there a difference between somebody, a good caregiver and a bad caregiver? Are there certain caregivers that are better for people that have a stroke than other people? You know, I mean, I want I wanted to know right now in a short window. 
So when did I become a prospect? As I was working with a caregiving company and I helped their sales explode. And how did it explode? We started by saying, well, you know, do you have a, a mom or dad who recently had a stroke? Do you think that? Okay, we talk about that. Okay, what's another thing? You know, do you have a parent that, uh, you know, one of your parents passed away and your your other, your mom or your dad is now living alone? Do you want a caregiver? You know, when do, at, you know, the, the question is, when do they become a prospect? And when you focus on the who first, obviously we always focus on the who, but when, at what moment do they become a prospect? Now we can wire our message around that moment and it become much more attractive and appealing. I have this friend, uh, Robin Thompson, who's uh, on television. She's a, a financial coach and she's on television in America, on ABC television as a, you know, personal financial coach. And, uh, so she created um, a finance program for people, uh, for women who make over $100,000 a year. So here's our target, okay? Women who make over $100,000 a year, okay? That's what she said. But as I started talking to her, I said, well, when does somebody, who, a woman who's making over $100,000 a year actually become a prospect for you, a real prospect? Because every, not every woman who makes over $100,000 a year is a prospect, you know, either themselves or with their spouse or whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> So we started thinking about it and she said, well, they own their own home and suddenly their roof has a problem and they have to build a whole new roof and they have to spend maybe ten, five to $10,000 on a roof. They go into their savings account and they realize, whoa, there's not as much money in my savings as I thought there was. Whoa, the when, okay? And then we built a campaign that said, you know, are you a woman who makes over $100,000, but you've looked in your savings account recently and are mad because they're freaked out because there's such a small amount of money in there. Okay. Then we came up with a slogan. And here's another thing that's very important. For a lot of women, if they're married and they sign up for her program, which is, I don't know, $3,000, $4,000 program, whatever it is, you have to sort of, sub, you have to, um, uh, explain it to your spouse. Okay. Cause she's focusing on women. You spent $4,000 on what to save money? And so we came up with a slogan, which I thought is a really powerful slogan. It actually works well. She's tried it and she can't believe how powerful this is. And she basically says, why did you sign up for a program? When you ask your, when your husband asked you or anybody else asked you why you signed up for your program, here's what you say, because I'm tired of giving away my money. You know, and then she gave an example. She said, you know, people don't realize Starbucks. If you go to Starbucks, Every day and you drink Starbucks, do you realize that you're actually blowing away $100,000 of your income? Do the math on it and I'll show you how to do that. And that's just Starbucks. That's not even talking about, you know, all these other things you do and the credit cards and all these other things. I'll show you how to change, stop giving your money away so you can keep it yourself instead of giving it away to somebody else. So she has the story to go with that. But what she's doing is she's saying, you know, she's triggering something in the mind and she's helping people understand if you have somebody else to sell, I need to give you a slogan so you understand how to say it in such a way that people will remember it. That's why I say stick to the brain, but also that it will resonate with them also. I have this guy who has this company. It's called Life Scholar Project. Okay. He has a nonprofit. He put his money into it and started this thing. Okay. So I said to him, uh, so what is Life Scholar Project? It took him 20 or 25 minutes before he finally explained it to me in well enough that I could understand what the heck he does. I mean, and a lot of people are like that. I love saying, you know, what are you competing with and why should somebody choose yours instead of the alternatives? It's amazing how few people can answer that. Oh, quality, quality or price. Okay. I say you're not allowed to use the word quality or price. Tell me why somebody should use yours instead of the alternative. Okay. And it's hard for people to answer it. So for him, it took him a long time to answer this question. Like, what is, you know, Life Scholar Project? Eventually, as I heard it, I said, Here, here's a slogan for you. I help arrested, troubled kids become invested, stable adults, employed, deployed, and enjoyed. It's not the greatest, but it's it, at least it says right away, oh, I, I help kids that are in trouble with the law to get a job to become normal kid people, okay? But yeah. I wanted a hook. And so I was just, you know, brainstorming how the hook comes out. And I said, say hello to my little friends. <laughs> you know, the movie uh, Scarface with, Al, uh, you know, Al Pacino. He was fabulous. 
And there's a famous line in it called say hello to my little friend as he's holding his machine gun. He's about to shoot the guys, right? <laughs> say hello to my little friend. And I said, so that's do it with the voice. Say hello to my little friends. Okay. <laughs> he started laughing, but we started doing it because he said, we're trying to raise money. What are you doing? What are you guys doing? Well, say hello to my little friends here. Let me show you some pictures. You know, he goes, what? Say hello to my little friends. Oh, that's what you do. And they give him the pitch. And then they went like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. So let me show you how, brain, how an easy way to apply brain glue, okay? So I, you're in Australia. Hopefully you have the same uh, early story as we had. Jack and Jill went up the hill. Okay, so you got it, okay? Yeah. Now, the first time I ever heard that was, I'm old, over 50 years ago. I could be in my deathbed and someone goes, hey, James, Jack and Jill went up the Pill to fetch a pill of water. I mean, I'll remember it on my deathbed because rhyme sticks to the brain like glue, okay? So O.J. Simpson, a celebrity O.J. Simpson, was being tried in America for a murder trial, okay, for murdering his, his wife and her supposed boyfriend. And they had a ton of evidence against them. But uh, they also had a glove that was supposedly the murderer's glove. And so... O.J. Simpson exaggerated the fact that the glove didn't fit him. He put on a rubber glove before he bit it and pretend, oh, wow, this is really hard to put on, which any good actor can do. He's an actor. Okay. Yeah. And his attorney, Johnny Cochran, used rhyme. What did he say? If the glove doesn't fit, you have to acquit. I remember after the trial, two of the jurors were asked, with all that evidence against O.J., and there was so much evidence against him, how come you find him not guilty? And one of them responded while well, the other one nodded her head in agreement. And she said, we knew if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. The glove didn't fit. We had to acquit. Okay. The power of rhyme can actually get somebody freed from an almost certain guilty verdict in a murder trial. So here's an example. Again, just going with the rhyme concept. Okay. I mean, it applies to anything. If you try to get out of jail, you can use it. Um, so this mom and her son in Utah, uh, America um, was trying, you know, they, they want, they watched the TV show shark tank, by the way, shark tank is not a tank full of sharks. Oh, look, fish sharks. No. Okay. It's a metaphor. Yep. Okay. So they use a metaphor. If it was called investors club, you think it would be as, as successful as shark tank? Probably not. Okay. I mean, there's something about shark tank. It's like, whoa, shark tank. Okay. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. So, the mom and her son, they watched the TV show Shark Tank, and they really love watching people with their new products and trying to be successful and getting investors and all that. So they're thinking, you know, they're thinking, like, what's a good product we can come up with? And the mom had trouble when she went to the bathroom. You know, just physiologically, it was a problem. So um, the doc, a doctor told her, you know, you'd be do much better if you could raise your feet off the ground when you're sitting on the toilet about six or eight inches. And she did that and found, wow, this really helps when I go to the bathroom. It helps a lot of people when they go to the bathroom. And so they came up with this idea. Let's create a little toilet stool and we can find a manufacturer and then we'll sell it and hopefully we'll get on Shark Tank. Okay. First, let me tell you what happened. These are two people that had no business experience. They went from zero to $100 million of sales before they got to Shark Tank, $100 million of sales in less than two years. How did they do it? <laughs> the name helped, okay, by far. So they're thinking, okay, it's a little toilet stool, okay. I don't want to call it toilet stool. I don't know that it doesn't. That, no, people don't like the word toilet that much. I don't think that's a really good name. So what's another word for toilet? Potty, okay. We say you want to go to a potty, okay. And I'm kind of squatting. Why don't we call it the squatty potty? Yeah. Rhyme, squatty potty, okay. <laughs> The rest, as they say, is history. Sales exploded because people are really a squatty potty. Yeah, you squat when you're on the toilet and you put your feet up there and suddenly sales take off. Wow, squatty potty. Because of the name, the name helped. Obviously, it's a good product. But do you think it would be as successful as the toilet stool? Here's a product called the toilet stool. And here's the squatty potty. Which one do you think people are going to buy? Okay. So I'm this guy. So I love this story. I say metaphors are a really good one. So Paul Tran invented an electric razor that you man shaves his private areas with. Okay. I don't want to get too much into that, but okay. And so he's going, I want to come up with a name that doesn't offend people, but I also, I want people to know what the product does. So he was thinking about it. He was thinking, thinking, thinking. And he said, I, you know, this is just like a lawnmower. 
why don't I call it the lawnmower? Okay. He eventually changed the name of his company to Manscaped. We're going to landscape a man with the lawnmower. Okay. So the lawnmower has generated way over a hundred million dollars of sales. Okay. It went from, so here's how the lawnmower would work. I mean, so if I bought a lawnmower, I probably wouldn't share it with my friends. Let's start there. Okay. I wouldn't share this lawnmower. But I, I can see calling my friend and saying, hey, you know, guess what I just bought? What? I bought the lawnmower. Why? You have to mow your lawn? No, no, no. It's an electric razor for men's private areas. They start laughing and say, talk to his wife or a girlfriend. Hey, guess what James just bought? What? The lawnmower. A lawn, what? You have to mow his lawn? No, he's mowing his body. <laughs> It'd be really funny. But the name the lawnmower helped the product explode like sales. Okay. So here's an idea. How would you like to invent an incredible product and your biggest competitor steals it from you, steals the idea from you and makes a gazillion dollars while you decide, you realize you can't even sell your product. Nobody's buying it. How would you like to invent something that somebody steals from you? Well, let me tell you a story, okay? Post Cereals and Kellogg's are competitors. So the head of Post Cereals came up with this idea. I can, you know, they said, I want to create this product that like is going to leave Kellogg's in his dust, okay? <laughs> so he said, um, let me, let's me let create this little cake that has jelly in it, like, you know, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries inside. It's really cool. But you put it in your toaster, and then it pops out of the toaster, and you get this warm little cake that's really fantastic. And he was excited about it. He called it <laughs> Country Squares. That's an idiot, okay? <laughs> Country Squares. He didn't understand product name and the power of it. Three months before he launched the product, he announced it. He was so he was so excited. This is I'm gonna knock the socks off everybody. Three months before the product launch, he announced it to the media. In three, in a few months from now, in three months from now, we're launching Country Squares. Here it is. Look at it. Pops out of the toaster. Isn't this fun? The head of Kellogg's watched the, the uh, article and the uh, video, the interview, and went, "Oh my, we have to." internally, guys, guys, we need to figure out how to make that product, okay? Fast, we need to figure out how to make that product. So they invented a product, okay? And then he had to come up with a name. So what did he do? He used what I call sense elevation, okay? The name of the, the sound. It pops out of the toaster. So we should have the word pop, okay? Back then, Andy Warhol was really famous as a pop artist. And so he said, Andy Warhol is really famous. This is anchoring where you take something that's already in the brain and you use it, you steal it for your product, okay? Um, and so why don't we call it Pop-Tarts, okay? Pop-Tarts, <clears throat> almost over, he launched, of course he launched it. When did he launch it? One week before post-launch their country squares, okay? <laughs> so it filled the airwaves, it was everywhere, okay? They sold out, they couldn't, they made an extra product. It sold out like almost overnight. He ran apology ads in the in in newspapers and major newspapers, saying we're so sorry. Just hang on for just a few days. We're gonna have more pop tarts coming. We didn't realize how much you're gonna love this product. Nobody bought country country squares, and they waited for pop tarts to come available again. <clears throat> pop tarts became the largest selling product that Kellogg's had, and within six months, Post cereals stopped sell, trying to sell country squares because nobody was buying it. Wow. All because name the name you know it's like it's not just a name brain glue focuses on uh, quotes too how to make yourself famous like you know uh you know when the, only when the tide goes out to you discover who's been swimming naked you know from uh, warren buffett but you know phrases are really powerful if you want to be more famous then brain glue helps you because it helps you come up with phrases that people are going to remember in marketing you know, and, and, you know, when you're running an ad, it's the same thing. But if you are naming a product, it's the same thing. Or describing a product, you want to come up with brain triggers. You know, things that activate the brain so people go like, oh, wow. Oh, and remember, hey, guess what? James just bought a lawnmower. Hey, guess what my buddy just bought? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's something that resonates. Hey, he bought a squatty potty, you know. I mean, even porta potty, if you know what the porta potties are. You know, I mean, for industrial products, it, it doesn't matter if it's you're selling to the uh, consumers, if you're selling to uh, business to business or whatever, this applies across the board. And I had this mom, it, it goes even beyond that, that we can apply it with our kids. My This mom says to me, so you're an expert in brain glue. Can you help me with my 14-year-old son? I'm like, okay, sure. You know, I don't know what she's going to throw at me. And she says, 
So he said to me, Mommy, why do we have to follow so many rules in life? Hmm, okay. So I brainstormed with the mom and I said, first, let's start with rhyme. What rhymes with rules? How about fools? Only fools don't follow rules. Okay, so there's well, a line I could use. But let me add a metaphor because I know metaphors can work also, okay? So I said, um, I brainstormed with her and said, let's come up with a metaphor that we could use. And then I sat down with her and her son and I said, so you were asking your, your mom why we have to follow so many rules in life, right? And he says, yeah. I said, well, think about it. If you're thirsty, you could always drink out of the toilet because there's lots of water there. But why would you want to? Remember, only fools don't follow rules. He looks up at me and he goes, mm, that makes sense. First, getting a 14-year-old to say anything makes sense is a miracle. So I escaped before he asked me another question. But does <laughs> it really make sense? <clears throat> or did I just simply trigger the emotion centers of the brain so it felt like it makes sense? Like, and here are two political phrases. You can't hug a child with nuclear arms. Okay? They don't make sense, but, they can, but I, it's anchoring. You're taking... You don't hug, you can't hug a child, so that's emotional, with nuclear arms. So that's emotional, but a different emotion. You bring those two things together, and suddenly it becomes, you know, it 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 one affects the other. Here's yeah. another one. And in America, we have this, you know, battle between uh, whether you should be allowed to have guns or not, okay, gun control. I'm not pro or anti it, but I love brain glue. And here's a comedian who used this, and he said, the right to bear arms is almost as crazy as the right to arm bears. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I asked this. Okay. It doesn't really make sense, but it sticks in the brain. Yes. I, when I talk about brain glue, here's how I describe brain glue. So I have, first I have two phrases and I say rhyme. The first one I had was rhyme. It was an easy one. Switch your pitch if you want to get rich. Okay. Then I came up with a more sophisticated one. Cause I said, so um, I'm triggering the emotion centers of the brain. And so I'm creating desire. And then I said, well, what rhymes with desire? Fire. Fire. Oh, wow. Light, so I'll show you how to light the fire of desire in your buyer. It, it resonates, okay? But I still wanted a metaphor. I'm thinking like, okay, I, you know, let me see if I have a metaphor because it was hard to think about a metaphor. And I finally got one. Actually, the way I got one was this. So I said a joke. There are three women who are kind of religious. And so I came up with a religious joke. I try jokes. Jokes is a, is a brain glue tool, too. You know, making somebody laugh, they become much more receptive to you. And I said, so a little girl comes up to her mommy and says, Mommy, Daddy says we came from apes, but you say we came from Adam and Eve. Honey, Daddy's talking about his family. I'm talking about my family. So that was a joke, okay? So then they started laughing. Ha, ha, ha. Then another woman came up who was one of their friends, and I realized I wanted to tell them the joke, but the other women were not going to laugh the way they laughed when I first told the joke because it doesn't, it, they already know what's coming. It doesn't resonate. And it made me think that that's what brain glue is a lot about that. It's like, how do you trigger the brain in such a way that it's like almost a surprise? So, so, uh, well, so let me give you a, yeah, sorry, yeah. let me give you a metaphor, and then you can, if that's okay, just yeah. to fix this. And so I said, when you leave home, you drive down the street and you're passing all these homes or apartments wherever you live, okay? You're not going to look at each one and go, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you've seen them every day. You're just, you're, and it's like advertising is the same, okay? You see ads all the time. So you get in your car and you're driving down the street. But today, you get in your car and you drive down the street and two houses down, there are flames coming out of the guy's window. <gasps> Does he know his house is on fire? He has to call 911 and call the fire department. Is my house going to burn down? You know, suddenly it wakes up your brain. And that's what brain glue does. You know, you're used to looking at ad, 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 ad. Huh? What? And that's what you want. Is you want people to go, huh? What? Wait, wait a second. When I bought um, 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 Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, I was in a store. And I was looking at book, 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 you know, physically, okay? Today, a lot of it is online, but it was physically back then. I went book, book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? What's that all about? And I picked it up, which is the first step to buying it. I started looking at it. I go, oh, wow, this is really good, okay? But it also works online. So they have this woman who's a stay-at-home mom, and she has... She spends zero on social media advertising, and she has more than 5 million fans. How many fans do we have for our social media pages? Are 
our Facebook pages, okay? She has more than 5 million fans and she spends zero. So how come she spends zero and she has 5 million fans? Because again, flames are coming out of the name of her, uh, the page she had, okay? That's the flames. So um, she's thinking, I want to create a Facebook page. And I'm a mom. And like, so I can relate. I can talk about mommy things. So what's mommy needs time to herself? Mommy needs a rest because kids can really drive you crazy. I know, I know what mommy needs. Mommy needs vodka. So she created a Facebook page that says mommy, it's called mommy needs vodka. So how did I become a fan? Because I became a fan. I know I must know somebody who's a fan of hers and sort of shared a post with it uh, with me. You know, we have a lot of people have really fantastic posts, but you have to struggle hard to get people to come to your page. She doesn't struggle hard at all. I was looking at a post and I went like, oh, wow, this is really funny. It's from mommy needs vodka flames. OK, mommy needs vodka. What's that? Clicked on that, took went to her page. I started looking at the posts that she has. I went, oh, she's really cool. I like her things. Became a fan. Okay. Now we still want to convert. So I didn't buy stuff from her. She does sell stuff now. Okay. I didn't want to say that. But it's you want flames coming out of your product, out of your your headline, out of the name of your book or or uh, title of your product, out of the pitch that you have. You want you know it's like a blue emu. It works fast and you won't stink. What <laughs> you know? I mean it's. Uh, I, I remember um, uh, smells like teen spirit. Okay, remember that song? Yeah. Uh, from uh, I mean Kurt Cobain, he was fantastic. Now a lot of artists understand this naturally; it's instinctive. Okay, but for us logical people, <laughs> we have to learn how to use those things. Smells like teen spirit. Really, it's a fabulous song, but it like you also remember it. <laughs> smells like teen spirit. You know, there are a lot of songs I love the title. I love the song, but I can't remember the title of it. I have to struggle to remember it. You know. Not smells like teen spirit. You know, I mean, it's just when we understand the power of these brain glue tools, it really, I didn't, I cut you off. I didn't mean to cut you off. So what were you, yeah. you going to ask something or say something? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, cause I mean, I could, I could keep talking all day and I'm, my, my brain is going in flames, if you like, you know, all the ideas. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised with marketing because there's a lot of stuff you're, you're sharing, which I haven't, heard definitely not put that way before or some of the examples and that sort of thing which is which is fantastic if you were just in just in wrapping up if you were sort of advising someone who's got a seat let's say they've got a six-figure business or they're just getting started out in business or whatever and they want to crack that seven figure what would be your number one piece of advice for them to to really do that using and I'm assuming it's going to be using the brain glue tools to give them that edge, whether it's naming their product or yeah, you know, coming up with a metaphor, or whatever. What would be your your sort of key piece of advice advice for them? So I'll give you two. Okay. Um, well, I'll give you three. Buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier to first I want to say it's easier than most people realize, but it takes a little bit of thinking. Okay. I have uh, Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. He loves my book. Okay. Um, but he, he was talking about how did he come up with chicken soup for a soul? Okay. He wanted, he said, he said, I was, um, you know, struggling cause I was going to call the book 101 cause it was 101 stories, 101 motivational stories that'll change your life. But that's logical. And so for oh, about a month he was struggling and he woke up and he was thinking, well, chicken soup makes you feel good if you feel bad often. Okay. Why don't I call the book Chicken Soup for the Spirit? Okay. Hmm. It doesn't really work, but it's close. After he said about a week of sleepless nights, he said he came up with alliteration, which is another brain glue tool. He didn't know this back then, but now he does. Okay. What he used, S-O-U-P, soup, S-O-U-L, soul, soup, soul. Okay. It's alliteration, a repetition of sound. And I, when I realized that, by the way, Coca-Cola is, uh, look at how many blockbuster products use Coca-Cola, Best Buy, Lululemon, TikTok. You know, think they would be as successful when they call it a Chinese social media platform? No, TikTok. Yeah. I saw Dunkin my daughter, Donuts, my, my yeah, youngest yeah, daughter. Yeah. It's Chinese. She says, no, it's not. I said, check it out. It's Chinese. No, they're not. And, you know, she's checked it out. Yes, it is. Okay. But <laughs> so the first thing you want to look at is... Um, the sound of a product, the product you have. And it could be words that relate to it. So like toilet stool, what's another word for toilet, okay? Potty for her, okay? 
Come up with words that relate to your product or service. Then come up with a sound that sounds similar to it or that rhymes with it, squatty potty, okay? And if you do that as the first piece, and then the second piece is come up with a metaphor. Complete this phrase, which is synonym, which is synonyms and metaphors are basically the same. Um, my product or idea is just like what? We had a behavioral management firm and we would explain the psychological things we did and it went over people's heads. And I came up with this metaphor and it suddenly made it easier for people to understand. And what I said was, uh, you know, if you hire a personal coach, they're going to get you to do more push-ups than you could do on your own. You know, come on, one more, one more, two more, two more. I'll get you to do 20 push-ups if you could do 10. They'll get you more sit-ups because they're there. Well, our people, our psychologists will come into your company and get your senior execs doing more, tackling bigger projects than they can normally tackle on their own. By tying it together with the uh, personal coach or personal trainer, suddenly people went, oh, that makes sense. And it started resonating with them. Whereas we throw, you know, psychological terms at them, it became hard. So these are two tools that are really powerful. Uh, well, sa similar sounding words to your product or service, what it is. Rhyme is three, actually. Rhyme. What rhymes with that? Can you come up with that? And I would do those first because those tend to be easier. And then come up with a metaphor. My product or idea is just like blank. And when you can do that, it becomes you'll you'll be amazed by how much easier it is to sell, how much more fun it is. And watch your the response of your audience. You'll be amazed at how much it resonates. I mean, it resonates enough that John Gray went from twenty thousand to fifty million books sold just because he changed the name to Better from Mars, Better from Venus. So, you know, it's it it's just. We've applied this to so many types of businesses, and a lot of them pray that we do not share with others what we who we did it for because they don't want their competitors to understand. Oh, that's what they did, you know. They, you know, but it comes up to like uh, pop tarts and country squares, you know. I mean, it's just amazing. So, but yeah, when you understand words that are similar to what yours yours sounds like, uh, what rhymes with yours, and then ultimately. What's a metaphor for yours? It's just like such and such. These can really help you uh, to get on track to come up with something that could really, really, uh, um, you know, really just amaze amaze you by the results. And it, that's one of the biggest things I'm discovering is I, you know, I'm sort of getting past it now. But how many people I work with and do this with, and it just suddenly their sales explode. I mean, their sales skyrocket. I had this haircut last thing. Sorry, just so similar sound, okay? So I have this barber in a barber shop, and he wants to change the name of his shop. So I went, so what are some words that relate to barber shop? Okay, I don't know, haircut. Haircut came one. Came uh, one. Okay, haircut. We do the haircut. And what's a word that has the H in it? You know, that's like alliteration, haircut. And we came up with heroes. Why don't we call it the haircut heroes? Oh, interesting. It. And everybody in the store said, well, that's a great name, Haircut Heroes. That's the name you got to put up there, Haircut Heroes. It was just a simple thing. And it was a, while I was having a haircut, we were going through this. But it just, it, it resonated. And so, yeah, just, I mean, buy check out the book. Hopefully you do that now, because it's easier than most people realize. That's one of the things that people love about the book. But I mean, these concepts, when you understand the concept, it has exercises. It also has jokes. You can. It's amazing how many comedians use brain glue. You know, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Um, I'd rather wake up and pee than pee and wake up. You know, what I mean, it's just that's an old guy's joke. So, but I mean, it's just there are a lot of comedians use it too. But yeah, when you understand these, it's easier than most people realize, and it's mind blowing because this is not like wow, it explodes. It's inside the brain that it sticks, you know. And again, it's, you know, um, you know, it, I, it, up the, huh, you know. I mean, it's it sticks. It's no, no. It's it's like this conversation has definitely opened my mind to the power of those. I mean, you sort of instinctively know a lot of this as copywriter as a yeah in the copywriting field, but the distinctions that you've got and the importance of the the importance of the name and the metaphors and all that sort of thing that's lifted it to a new level for me so i'm going to go out and i'm going to go out and buy the book so um and uh if anyone if anyone's listening to this 
and they want to get in touch with you, they want to buy the book, they want to find out more, what's what's the best way for them to, to do that? Well, you can learn more about the book and about me from yesbrainglue.com. That's an easy way to do it. If you go to yesbrainglue.com. I'd expect no less than a, a name yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just check out the book. I mean, even you can go to Amazon. It's available on Amazon and also bookstores. And Amazon lets you look at a few... Uh, pages of it you know so you can look at a chap the the chapters the chapters actually list the uh, 14 brain triggers and so that's really you know powerful i mean hopefully you'll get the book because i think the book will really you'll enjoy the book a lot but it also will resonate with you but either way you know yes brainglue.com is an easy way to do it and going to amazon uh, uh, and just checking out the book that will show you the different brain triggers and uh, yeah, it's a and you're hitting the nail on the head with something that's very significant. I can't tell you how many people start learning about brain glue and suddenly you start seeing it because it's there. We just don't recognize it. We go, Whoa, that's really good. You know? I mean, I, I bet even the head uh, of post cereals didn't realize that pop tarts was better than country squares because of the name, <laughs> you know? I mean, he never came back and changed the name to come up with another name that's competing head-to-head with Pop-Tarts. Instead, he just stopped selling the product, you know, because he didn't understand it. And so when you start to understand it, you start seeing it. You start recognizing, oh, that's going to be a big blockbuster. Oh, that's really successful. Because, and and realizing, yeah. realizing also that it's just as applicable to a small business as it is to a, as it is to the coca-cola or the pop tarts or the dunkin donuts or sort of thing in this world like haircut heroes beautiful like anyone could do that any hairdresser could do that um but here's the thing coca-cola didn't start out as a blockbuster yes we think coca-cola is a blockbuster but they started out with struggling okay people don't know the history of coca-cola you know i mean uh i love uh uh, you know, Richard Branson, you know, we think the guy's a billionaire. He started out with no money. He had to borrow money from his dad to start his business. But then he figured out if I use a trigger, I don't have money. But maybe if I use the word virgin, virgin records, ha ha ha, you know, it'll get it'll make money. He turned into one of the richest people on the planet. He got to fly in space. You didn't all because he came up with a trigger word. I mean, that's one of the things that's brain glue. Once you start recognizing the power of brain glue, you know, you become hooked on it because it's all, it's been there all our lives. We just never noticed it. Yes. Yeah, no, ab- 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Well, th- thanks so much for your time today, James. It's been uh, just a wealth of, a wealth of information. I really appreciate you sharing it. And uh yeah, I look forward to, um, yeah, to more discussions in the future now that I'm, I'm familiar with this, uh, this, this amazing new tool. So yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. Scott Bywood here, and thank you for listening to the Seven Figure Summit podcast. If you're a successful seven-figure entrepreneur who'd like to share your journey on this podcast, please visit podcast.copywritingthatsells.com.au. If you got something out of this interview, I'd love it if you could share this episode on social media. Likewise, if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Seven Figure Summit. There's nothing I love more than seeing your posts and guest suggestions. Now, we're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to my team and I. If you'd like to connect, go to copywritingthatsells.com.au or follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram under Scott Bywater. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.